Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome to Find Your Leadership Confidence. I'm Vicki Nettling, your host, and today we have a wonderful guest, Jeff Sheehan. He is a friend and fellow Toastmaster with me, but also he is an expert at social media, LinkedIn, and networking. So we're going to hear a little bit about Jeff today. Let me just tell you more about him. And I'm going to read his bio because it is extensive. So he has over, get this, 40 years of high-tech global sales, marketing, advertising. He has experience with many Fortune 500 companies, including Intel, Apple, IBM, Hewlett-Packard, AT&T, and many others. Jeff was and is an IBM influencer, a futurist, social selling, and marketing consulting. And let me tell you, he was social selling before we even knew that we should do this. So kudos to you. He is a job search mentor as well as a former volunteer and director of the Holy Spirit Catholic Church Career Ministry in Atlanta. He's also co-author of the book, Hired, Paths to Employment in the Social Media Era. With over 320K followers on Twitter and 24K connections on LinkedIn, He has been recognized as one of the top people in the world to follow on Twitter for social media, marketing, and sales. He has been listed among the top 50 most retweeted, that's hard to say, in the world by mid-size marketers, top 50, over 50 marketing through leaders, our thought leaders, and one of the world's top 100 marketing leaders for 2017 by inclusion in the number octo leader, which you're going to have to tell me about this Twitter award list, along with leadership expert, Lori Marino, Tom Peters, author of in search of excellence, influencer and brand expert, Brian Moran, as well as many others, Noted um, throughout the world. Jeff is well known for speaking nationally and in the Atlanta area on thought leadership, the use of LinkedIn, personal branding, social media, marketing, and technology. It's with great pleasure that I welcome Jeff Sheehan. Well, thank you, Vicki. It's a real pleasure of mine to be a guest of yours tonight on this podcast. It's I'm so happy that you're doing this now. I'm a firm believer in podcasts and what it can do for you, how it can position you, and how it can help others. That's learn right. about various things that are going out there. 
I'm a consummate consumer of podcast information as well as YouTube videos and all other kinds of content out there. So <laughs> I really am so pleased that you're doing this. You have a great deal of knowledge, great deal of experience and that, that you will do extremely well with this and look forward to all the episodes that you put out. Thank you so much. So today's theme is from virtually no network, no network to almost 350,000 people from all walks of life. That's an inspiration right there. And for those of you that are listening, that are just starting out or thinking about it, you ought to take note of what we're going to talk about today because, you know, it just takes you to take that first step. I always like to start the interviews with a simple icebreaker. And that is, please tell the audience what part of the country do you call home now? And I know after you say a few more words, they're going to know where you hailed before that. But go ahead. Well, I live in the East Cobb Roswell area, about 25 miles north of Atlanta. But I'm originally from Boston, but I've been down here for many, many decades. I left Boston. um, I'll never forget it. It was April 19th. uh, Patriots. uh, Yes, Patriots. And basically in Boston, they have the Boston Marathon at the time. So I was sitting on the sidelines of the Boston Marathon, and it was snowing, flurries and everything else. Went back to the apartment I had there, at never never forget, 384 Ward Street in Newton, Massachusetts. I said to my roommates at that time, I'm out of here. This is it. <laughs> I'm, never, I'm finding a job in Atlanta where I had relatives of that. And I am out of here as fast as I get out of here. I've had enough of this. And so with that, I never turned my back. And was shortly thereafter, I was down here in Atlanta, Georgia, working for a tech company uh, that I worked for for many, many years. So that is where I'm from. I've never lost my accent, however. No, Maybe you have bit, not. No, a little bit modified. And quite honestly, when I go back to Boston and when I talk to my siblings that's still there, their accents sound a little bit strange, a little bit. It, it's, but however, if you've been up there for a few days, it the, all comes back. You really uh, accustomed to what they're talking about. <laughs> Nevertheless, I'll never forget when I first came down. I people would uh, look at me after I opened my mouth. And, Where are you from? <laughs> and I'd say uh, Boston. It, it's like I had two heads or something. The way <laughs> the people approach me, but now it's. Uh, there's so many people from all areas of the world that live here in Atlanta. It's totally different. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's like me when my husband came down to interview after being laid off when the steel mills closed in Pittsburgh. And he said, um, so they have to know by Monday. And this was Friday. And he wasn't coming home until the following Friday because he was staying with his brother here. Right. He said, And he says, you know, uh, we have to decide, and you know what? Uh, what are we going to do? And I said, my bags are packed. Yes, <laughs> I am ready. So definitely can relate. So never look back. I mean, I enjoy going up there in the summer, but when I go up there in the winter, it is really trying. I can tell yeah. you that. My blood yeah. is really thinned out from living here. <laughs> I mean, you don't get many seventy-five degrees days in March up in Boston. I can tell you that. That is for yeah. sure. Yeah. So the the next question I have is really, I think, something that would resonate with a a lot of folks, especially for folks that are are starting out or or have been really 
having a side gig, an entrepreneur for a while, but they just haven't got it, you know, the connections they need. So what are some of the challenges over the last 12 years that you have um, found in building the network that you have of 350,000 here and 25,000? Well, first of all, I think what happened to me in my particular case I was in high technology marketing and sales. I traveled the world. I was a one and a half million miler on Delta. That gives you an idea of how much I traveled. I spent a lot of time in Asia, a lot of time in Europe, in different places over the years. So I wasn't here in Atlanta of that. Well, it was for certain periods of time, but nevertheless, when I was here in Atlanta, I was always working on taking the kids to soccer or baseball. Or that so my network was real in the business community was pretty much non-existent. I, I just didn't have the time. And when I wasn't working, I was on call because I had to take care of problems in Asia or wherever else in the world that might have been occurring. So when I was downsized, I left the company with virtually no network whatsoever. And I'll never forget, I went into a meeting here in East Cobb. It was, I found it through Meetup. And when they, I, I said, I better get out and networking. I can't and network. I can't sit on the sidelines. I need to do something, whether it's volunteering or whatever, because I, I just was not in position to retire. I've been a go-getter, type A personality for so many years. I wanted to do something, whether it was, like I said, volunteer or doing something from a small business perspective. So I went out looking for opportunities through Meetup. It went into this small group here. It's called Tonic, Tuesday Open Networking in Cobb was uh, the acronym, what it stood for. And I walked in there, and I felt like a deer in headlights. I knew none of the people whatsoever. I walked in there. I didn't know what to say, what to do, how to act, absolutely zero. It was frightening, quite honestly, just like going into a Toastmasters the first time. It can be quite intimidating or speaking. And so... Uh, basically, I, from a standpoint of what we're doing is, you know, going in there and not, um, you're with me one second, going uh, to this meeting, people who were very, very uh, helpful, they essentially, you know, shook my hand quite nicely. They were warm and they were gentle and what have you. So I learned from those people. I heard them go around the room with their elevator pitches. I knew nothing about elevator pitches per se. I knew nothing about, you know, how to present and what have you because I was a complete rookie. So with that, I decided at pretty much at the same time, maybe a few months before that, to really do something with regard to building a network. This is the first step from face-to-face perspective. Although I had been on Twitter and I've been on LinkedIn and done some um, connecting in that on LinkedIn for the most part because I've been on there for uh, several years. But Twitter, I was only had only been on there, I think, about nine months or so and hadn't done much with it because I had been working. So it was very, very difficult to keep up with everything. So I decided at that time I was going to uh, write a book or several books. And in order, if you write a book, you need an audience. Yeah. You have to someplace to sell it. So you have to position yourself. So I said, I'm going to develop a network on Twitter and on LinkedIn. And Twitter was my real focus because of the fact that I understood it. 
uh, basically. I have for somehow a pension for it. I have the ability to connect with others on Twitter very easily. So I started building my network on that. I quite honest with you, Vicky, I was in the right place at the right time with regard to building the Twitter network. Everything that I achieved on it was all organic. I did not buy one follower. The same with LinkedIn, not one follower. People were out there and I'd see them from time to time. They would surpass me in number of followers. But then I'd look at who they were following, uh, or the follower list, and they were honestly, they were bots, they were fake accounts. They were the people that they had gone out and paid money for to follow them in order mm. to game the system. But I didn't do that. Uh, I was able to go out and maximize my potential because I was in the right place at the right time. Mm. So I developed this um, network, and I connected with people. And the thing, I think the secret to my success in that it was always genuine, always authentic with regard to connections. I wasn't out there to sell them. I wasn't out there to lease, lease them in any manner whatsoever. I wasn't out to ask for fees. It was all about them and, and trying to help them, or, or trying to develop a relationship uh, with those particular individuals. And that's where I am. I did the same thing from a career ministry perspective. Uh, shortly after going to my first networking meeting, there was a gentleman in there that really became my mentor. His name is Bob Sartarian. Bob is an older gentleman. And we had a connection because he was from Boston as well. So he kind of took me under his wing, and I ended up doing career ministry work, and I became actively involved in that area. And one of the career ministries I was involved in was uh, Holy Spirit Catholic Church. So I went down there one night and went to a meeting, and he approached the lady at that time who was running it and asked if um, I could possibly be a speaker there. I ended up being a speaker about three months later. So that kind of uh, speaking perspective, that led to more and more networking opportunities, building a, a established base of individuals that would connect with me, reach out, and that all because this guy mentored me and helped me uh, through an introduction to the career ministry director there to get a speaking gig there. I've been speaking uh, from January of that year, and this uh, speaking gig, I think it was in May of uh, that time frame, but it just opened up all kinds of opportunities for me as far as networking from a face-to-face perspective, coupled with what I was doing online to help expand this uh, network exponentially. Okay. Adam, we're going to restart. We've corrected the sound issue. So uh, you can get rid of everything from this point back. Welcome, everybody, to the Find Your Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, and I am happy to have my guest tonight, Jeff Sheehan. He is a friend, a fellow Toastmaster, and one heck of an influencer and networker. Today, we are going to learn a little bit about Jeff and um, how he might help you in your growing of your network. Let me just tell you a little bit about Jeff. He has over 40 years in the high-tech global sales, marketing, and advertising experience with many Fortune 500 companies, including Intel, Apple, IBM, Hewlett-Packard, AT&T, as well as many others. Jeff is an IBM influencer, 
futurist, social selling, and marketing consultant, and a job search mentor, as well as a former volunteer director of the Holy Spirit Catholic Church Career Ministry in Atlanta, Georgia. He is also the co-author of the book, Hired, Paths to Employment in Social Media Era. With over 320K followers on Twitter and 24K followers on LinkedIn, he has been recognized as one of the top people in the world to follow on Twitter for social media, marketing, and sales. He's been listed among the top 50 most people most I got this again, most retweeted in the world by mid-size marketers and top 50, over 50 marketers and thought leaders. One of the top 100 marketing leaders in 2017 by inclusion in the October leader and Octo leader. And we're going to find out more about that because that's the first I've ever heard of this. He is, uh, and that is a Twitter award. He's an influencer, branding expert, and he has had uh, listed among the leaders such as Lori Marino, Tom Peters, um, who has the author In Search of Excellence. And again, uh, Brian Moran is the branding expert, as well as many other noted marketers throughout the world. He's known as a speaker nationally and in the Atlanta area. He's uh, also known as a thought leadership and a mentor. The use of LinkedIn, personal branding, social media, marketing, and technology are all his subject matters that he is an expert in. Please welcome Jeff Sheehan. Well, thank you, Vicki. It's a real pleasure to be joining here this evening. And hopefully everything goes as planned with this interview. I'm so happy to see you doing these podcasts, quite honestly. I've uh, done them in the past. I love them. It's very enjoyable, very rewarding. It helps uh, with so many things. But more importantly, it helps get the word out there to others. If you have a certain area of expertise in that, and that people can learn from so that they don't make the same mistakes that you've made during your career or during your uh, entrepreneurial endeavors. So <laughs> needless to say, I think we, both of us have been there and done that. And we're trying to help at this juncture our lives, others not to repeat our life experiences. So thank you for having me as a guest. It is my pleasure. As I said, I always start the interviews with a icebreaker, and that is a simple one. What part of the country do you call home now? And I'm sure they've discovered from your few words that you've just said where you called home prior to Atlanta. So okay, talk, I, talk I, about where you are. Okay, for many decades now, I've lived in the East Cobb, Roswell area, about 25 miles north of uh, Atlanta, and it, I just love it here. And I'm originally from Boston, if you can't guess. I grew mm-hmm. up in Boston, went to school in Boston, as well as Amherst, uh, Massachusetts. And I've never lost my accent, quite honestly. However, it has modified a bit. 
And I can tell you when I go back to Boston or if I talk to people in Boston, the accent actually sounds a little bit harsh. However, if I go back to Boston in the two or three days, that harshness quickly wears off. And it's just an old Boston accent to me. And I can tell, you know, where the people are from in Greater Boston because there's distinct dialects of various areas of the city, believe it or not. So uh, you can probably tell though when people, I open my mouth though, people can tell whereabouts in Boston I'm actually from. So so it's quite interesting. So true. What happened, the reason I left there is one of the reasons I should say, not the only reason, is the weather. I just, I love the ski. I love uh, playing ice hockey and everything else. However, I can't take the sustained cold. And I was there in Newton, Massachusetts, where I lived for a while with a couple of roommates. It was April 19th, Patriots Day in Boston, where they had the Boston Marathon. And I'll never forget being on the sidelines of the Boston Marathon by Heartbreak Hill, and it was sputtering snow. (laughs) I went back to the apartment with the two roommates. I said, I am out of here. I had already pretty much laid the plans to get out of there. But that was the tipping point. And sure enough, about three or four weeks later, I was down here in Atlanta looking for a job and moved down here in June of that year. But the cold weather was the iceberg that, or the tipping point for getting out of that cold weather. And anytime I go back there, I try to make it the summer and don't try to go back there in the winter because the winters are just so harsh and that ferocious wind that you encounter in Boston is just too much for this awesome. uh, fra- fragile old northerner. <laughs> I absolutely can understand what you're saying because, you know, I, my husband um, was laid off from teaching in Pittsburgh and he came down to Atlanta for an interview, had to decide um, by Monday and he was got the interview on Friday. He had to decide on that Monday if he was going to take the job. So he called me thinking it was going to be some hard decision. And it was like, my bags are packed. I'm out of here in Pittsburgh. And it was the same thing. It's like cold weather is just not my thing anymore. I totally agree. Yeah. So I think a lot of our audience can really resonate with um, some of the challenges that come with building a network. And so you have really... um, you have some history. And so what have you found that were some of your challenges that might help inform our audience to um, know how to overcome them or, or avoid them? So over the last 12 years, what have you done to help build your network? Well, what happened is I was, uh, as you mentioned, I spent many years in high technology marketing sales. All of a sudden it came to a screeching halt uh, one day. And so there I was, what do I do? Do I completely retire or do I keep on going? I really, in the mid fifties, I wasn't really in a position that I wanted to retire. I could have managed it perhaps, or we could have managed it, but nevertheless, I decided I want to keep going. I want to do something constructive, but mostly at that time, I think I was looking to volunteer work so that I could write a book or do some things uh, in that regard. So, I had been on LinkedIn for quite a period of time prior to that. I'd been on Twitter probably about nine or 10 months or so. So I was quite familiar with social media. And I was at the advent of the forefront of our social media activity. Uh, people didn't know what it was and what to do with it, what have you. But I had jumped in with both feet. I went to a seminar in 
in November of that year when I was downsized, two months after being downsized. And this guy taught some of the tricks that he knew about Twitter. It was very, very good. And so I learned from that and then went out there and just aggressively started pursuing things on Twitter and LinkedIn because the goal was to use those as channels for distribution of a book. And I figured I needed an audience. I needed a distribution channel. And what better platforms than Twitter or LinkedIn to have that happen? Also with that, uh, being by yourself, particularly after you've been downsized, being around people all the time, it's very, very difficult, very challenging. You can sit there at your computer all day and play with it, but there's nothing like the interaction, face-to-face encounters with people. And I think a lot of people can probably uh, relate to this after the two years of the pandemic and what it's like to just sit there and have no one to talk to or whatever. So I'm somewhat a gregarious individual in, in some respects, but then from a, a larger perspective, I was more introverted from a getting out there and speaking. Toastmasters certainly help with that, and we'll talk about that later. But so I, in January of that year, after having traveled for a while when I was uh, first let go, I went to a networking meeting. It was a face-to-face meeting. I found a meetup. I walked into this place. It was a small local delicatessen where they had a group that met there on Tuesday mornings called Tonic, a Tuesday open networking club. I walked in there. I had no concept whatsoever of face-to-face networking or what it was like to be an entrepreneur, what it was like. Because I've been in the corporate world for so many years. I had a brief stint as an entrepreneur. However, nothing uh, that was a lengthy tenure per se. So here I am. I walked in there, and I was like a deer in headlights. I was scared to death. What are these people going to think? Who am I? What do I actually represent? I had none of those questions that were answered. Uh, In my mind, I thought I knew who I was, but uh, the ability to communicate that effectively in an elevator pitch was not something I had mastered. And so I walked in there, I sat down, and again, I was uh, very, very taken up. I wouldn't say taken up. My comfort level was completely non-existent at that point because Mm -hmm. the fact that these people all knew one another. I was a stranger walking in there and just, you know, going about uh, interrupting their meeting in some respects. So what happened is they did welcome me, and I saw what they did. They went around the table, and they gave their elevator pitches and who they were asking for as far as referrals. And it came my time to introduce myself. I was like this. I, I was a nervous, <laughs> seriously a nervous. I didn't know what to say, what to do. And I, I just went about it and talked about it accordingly. So that was my first encounter. And subsequent to that, I went to other meetings became a little bit more comfortable with it. And then what happened is I got a speaking gig at, uh, I'll never forget, it was January of that year, Johnson's Ferry Baptist Church here with another gentleman who I'd met. Uh, he had worked with me many years prior at uh, Murata. And we went and we did a, a tag team on using LinkedIn, Twitter, and social media for the job search. So I got up and spoke on that. First time really ever speaking. And what happened is that was a means of networking because I was out there in front of a crowd and people uh, came up afterwards, you know, gave me the business cards or connected with me on LinkedIn. So I started building a face-to-face presence and LinkedIn presence from my face-to-face encounters. That subsequently led to an opportunity through one of the individuals I met at this tonic meeting 
for me to speak at Holy Spirit Catholic Church uh, to their career ministry organization. So I did that in May of that year, and there were probably 200 people in that audience. Again, I had no real speaking experience per se. Maybe this one encounter at uh, Johnson's Ferry Baptist Church, but other than that, nothing substantive. So I spoke at that, and eventually that led to other speaking engagements and also led to my directorship of the career ministry there at Holy Spirit after the uh, individual who was running it uh, had to resign for health reasons. So I took that over and did that. So I was doing this on a face-to-face basis as far as developing a network. But subsequent or with that, I was also working on Twitter and LinkedIn to the best of my ability. It was connecting with people. Like on Twitter, I was in the right place at the right time, Vicky, quite honestly, because it hadn't been around that long. Uh, People were not using it uh, very aggressively, not like I was. And so what I was doing, I was going out there, connecting with people, and trying to relate to them as much as possible. And I was curating articles, which I still do uh, to this day. I'm out there curating constantly and posting articles to Twitter and to LinkedIn. So I did that. And what happened is my traffic on Twitter grew. uh, It was pretty much linear, but it it was from a a curve perspective. It was more uh, a vertical than uh, you know, flat line curve per se, mm-hmm. uh, a 45 degree angle, the angle was much steeper. And so it grew and it grew to at one time, 350,000 people on Twitter. And what happened is Twitter went out and they cleaned out a lot of the bots of fake accounts. There are a lot of fake accounts out there on social media. So it, it dropped a bit to 320 something thousand. Uh, so a bit. It, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, what happened is I started relate to, people through Twitter, through LinkedIn, and I had solid connections, solid relationships in so many respects. I mean, some of them are tenuous, a lot of them are tenuous, for that matter of fact. However, there were some that were very, very solid relationships uh, that I developed. And I'll never forget, there was uh, one where uh, someone was getting married in Cambodia. And I met this guy uh, through Twitter. He resided in Phnom Penh. His name is uh, 50... Strong, okay? And so um, I met with him when we were over in Cambodia. My whole family looked at me like, what? You're meeting someone from Twitter in, Cam- in Phnom Penh, Cambodia? I sat down and I talked to him. I had breakfast with him for about three hours. And so we talked. And he was no, um, he, he was someone that was somewhat famous. And I had no idea whatsoever this guy was like one of the top 50 young entrepreneurs in all of asia and i I was having breakfast with him. i didn't know who he was when i met him so it was just um, unbelievable establishing this relationship from twitter that led to a face-to-face meeting phnom penh cambodia with this guy who actually had such a presence in asia and subsequent to that i met uh one of his partners who ended up being on the Forbes list of 30 under 30 in Asia. This is all because of Twitter. Wow. And so establishing those relationships and just uh, absolutely phenomenal. So I've met with him a couple of times now over the years, and it's just been phenomenal as far as developing a relationship. Uh, that's one of many encounters that I've had that if mm-hmm. these uh, somewhat tenuous, you, you think uh, originally had developed into a full-scale face-to-face 
personal relationships with these individuals. Yeah. And you have to, you have to really think about, it's not a one-time connection. It, it really is to take the time, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 connections till you really build that connection and that relationship that matters. Oh, absolutely. Know? Without question. And be yeah. genuine about it. Be authentic yeah. and think about them. What can you do to help them? And I was, uh, I did my best to try to promote him and his respective activities. Then I met another guy. I was in Sim Reap in Cambodia and outside of uh, Phnom Penh and where Anka Wat is. So I was there and this guy on Twitter asked if he could meet with me. So I met with him. And what he did is he was a pastor of a small little, small church, a church school outside of uh, Sim Reap. And so he took me out there. I met him, I'll never forget, an ice cream place in Sam Reap. We went out there and went out to his village. And I swear the poverty was absolutely incredible. They didn't have any money whatsoever. He was trying to raise some funds for the church school to help with these kids. And beside the people, were the squalor in the streets and everything else was unbelievable. I'd never seen anything like that. But this guy was from one of the poorest areas. It wasn't famous. It was just someone who was reaching out for help with regard mm. to his uh, church school. But that is just another individual talking about the types of people you can be from all walks of life on some of these social media platforms that develop into relationships. Right. It's all about who you can help. Right. So what are the benefits of this large network that, that you're finding now, especially during the pandemic? I, I think it's the, one of the benefits is, uh, like I said, making friends. And the other thing is being able to help others. For instance, over the last two years, approximately, I have uh, conducted a campaign on weekends on Twitter. It's called hashtag get traction for others. Now, I've, what, I've, what I've seen over the last couple of years during the pandemic, a lot of people really struggling particularly those who are in the speaking circles or doing anything where they had to go out and face-to-face meetings. So what I was trying to do is promote them and their respective YouTube channels, hoping that maybe one or two people might look at their YouTube videos who hadn't uh, known about them. And maybe that would lead to uh, a relationship with those individuals or a referral that would possibly get them some type of uh, consulting assignment or other gig. Mm-hmm. And, but again, it was all um, from the bottom of my heart, nothing to uh, really expected to return. It was just to help these people to uplift them because I, I knew how difficult it was because of my career ministry activity and what I had seen mm-hmm. and observed, you know, people crying on my shoulders, people that lost their homes, people that have evicted from their apartments, uh, people, that have been subjected to all kinds of adversity to the losing their jobs or losing consulting assignments, whatever. And so I had a lot of uh, empathy for these people and tried to do whatever I could with regard to helping them. And it was all genuine and I mm-hmm. still continue to do it when uh, you know, time allows. Yeah. So I think you kind of touched on this, but how has this, benefited you in your career, in your just general 
well-being? Well, I think from a standpoint, it keeps me going, for one thing. I mean, I could be retired in a lot of respects. I just, <laughs> But I can't see, you know, eating bonbons and watching Oprah or, <laughs> or, or, or God help me, The View. <laughs> Might as well kill myself. But nevertheless, it, it keeps me going at this. And I've met some fantastic people developed uh, some solid relationships with them. And one of them was actually something totally unexpected is I was helping out the Irish ambassador of the United States with regard to retweeting his poetry, retweeting something, some of the things he was doing. Cause I, uh, 98% Irish and I run a group on Facebook called Inish Buff and Descendants. So I d- developed a relationship as because of my retweets and support of him. Well, he, I got a, an email, received an email out of the blue that he was coming to Atlanta. Uh, and this was in late November that he was coming and when he wanted to have breakfast with me. Mm-hmm. So what happened is I accepted the invitation and I met him for breakfast down in Buckhead. It was him and the assistant consul general here in Atlanta. It was the three of us for breakfast. And it, it was a fascinating conversation with regard to his different posts throughout the world, the people he knew uh, on a first-name basis, the buddy with uh, Boris Johnson the uh, was is one of his friends, uh, actually. There's some others, uh, Angela Merkel, and, we, you know, we're talking about that. And these people, he walked with them, he'd been with, in many meetings with them <laughs> and been out to – so this is all because of Twitter. Remember this, in developing a relationship and supporting that. I was supporting him and his poetry and some of his other endeavors, but never in a million years I anticipate that that would develop into a pretty good relationship where, you know, he considers me uh, and I consider him as a friend now. Wow. So, yeah. So what are three pieces of advice that you wish you would have gotten when you were in thirties or twenties or thirties? Well, from a standpoint of advice is I think, uh, be careful who you uh, go into business with. And I think every entrepreneur really should bet the living daylights of each and every individual that they go into business with. Mm-hmm. I had some, uh, unfortunately, some life lessons that I learned through over the last uh, 12 years or so as an entrepreneur and who to associate with, who to actually partner with as far as business is concerned. So be very, very careful. I think the other thing is get as many certifications as you possibly can uh, because of the fact that it's so important uh, in such a competitive world Mm -hmm. that you have as much education as you can possibly have or certifications within respective disciplines. It's critical to differentiate yourself because very few people have um, the soft skills or they have just the um, personalities in Mm -hmm. in some respects to be an all-star or a star, okay? It's very, very difficult unless you – I mean, you can do it. There are ways of doing it with regard to – uh, gaming the system that, but most people don't want to do that. And also it, it is challenging. It takes a long period of time to do right. so. But if you have the certifications in certain areas, particularly areas where you're on the, the curve of something that is really growing, the world is your oyster. 
Mm-hmm. And people will gravitate towards you. There's a guy that used to live in my neighborhood. He had all kinds of certifications and quality. And I swear, he was never out of work. He was never So, again, I would tell younger people to go out and get that law degree, get that MD, get that uh, higher education, whatever they can in their respective disciplines, along with the certifications that lead to further credibility within your respective uh, occupation. Very good. So we're going to do what I call rapid fire. Okay. I have, I'll give you five words or phrases and you are, you have just a minute to respond to them. The first is one, ta- table, table topics, table topics. Yeah. Speed okay. dating. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the first one is, and I don't think I'll, you can have two minutes for this one because I think it's an important one and you have okay. great, understanding of this LinkedIn profile. LinkedIn profile, do it, but be genuine, be authentic. Don't embellish the living daylights on it. Don't stuff with keywords, which some people have done. There was one individual I know, I don't want to name who the individual was, but they stuffed the respective LinkedIn profile with all kinds of keywords, all kinds of uh, job descriptions. So when you print it out, it was six feet long. And this individual went went on to become a top 50 uh, social media marketing guru uh, because of that. I saw through it. I never wanted anything to do with this individual after I saw what they were doing. And they were recommending that to others out there uh, to do this. They actually had a course and they were selling the course on how to do this. It was totally disingenuous. Uh, So that's one thing about LinkedIn. It's just the profile, but be authentic and be credible. You know, that's what I teach. You know, authenticity is and empathy are two of the key characteristics, attributes that leaders in the 21st century need to have. Yeah, absolutely. You have to portray that honestly out there. All right. The next one is best thing about being a granddad. Oh, it's taking care of them and enjoying them and getting a face time calls. Where I don't play these games. I, I, I'm not a big gamer, but she calls almost every night to play games. And so the <laughs> oldest one, who's uh, almost uh, seven years old, but just enjoying them and watching them grow up. They grow up so quickly. You don't realize it when you have kids, uh, how quickly they grow up, but you really see it in the grandkids as far as that. Maybe it's because the older you get, the quicker time passes. It and, seems that way, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, so they grow up very, very quickly. I bet you feel the same way. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Favorite sport? Favorite sport? Uh, I I was the only thing I'm really good at, and unfortunately, I don't get to do it enough. Is skiing, and I really love to ski. Although I have to be careful now because of getting up there in age, I don't want to break my hip or do something. That's like exactly right. <laughs> right. So I'm I'm careful, but I, I like I really love skiing. I do a lot of running, walking. Uh, I just passed, uh, was it 3,000 miles not too long ago, running, walking over the last five, six years or so. So I love doing that, and particularly here in Atlanta along the river. There's a trail there that's just absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. The next is one takeaway you want everybody to have about networking. One takeaway? Oh, I have so many. I know, I know. But I think the main thing is 
uh, as Simon Sunak would say, what is your why? Before you even approach, whether it's networking, business, elevated pitches, anything, you need to define what your why is. What is your passion? What is your purpose in life? And how can you take that and put that in writing and also incorporate that in your respective elevator pitch? Because if you can't do that effectively, there's no way that you're going to be successful. You have to be able to articulate that to the best of your ability so that people can resonate towards you and identify who you are and who would be a good fit for you from either a collaboration perspective or as a customer. Right. You really have to understand not so much your why for you, but you have to be able to elaborate why your why is impactful to others. Why, why will someone else resonate from your why? Correct. Because, you know, they're going to care about them and, and not you. Your story might be great, but they're going to be looking at it, how your story will be something that they can understand, can relate to. Oh, absolutely. And see in, themselves. In line with that is the empathy, which you emphasized earlier. Mm-hmm. So what you have to do is when you go to a networking meeting or networking, you have to think, what can I do to possibly help that individual out? the connection they might make or the opportunity from a standpoint of consulting someone. Or I always try to do that to the best mm-hmm. of my ability. My bandwidth is somewhat limited though. I can tell you that unequivocally it's, it's tough to keep up with a very, very large network and follow up and everything else. But I do try to do that three-way mm-hmm. connections, uh, introductions and that, but it's so vitally important. You put yourself in their shoes as far as networking mm-hmm. is concerned. Yeah, I always find that if I can help you, then later on, maybe you can help me. But I, you know, I always try to find ways to help you first. Right, correct. And the Mm -hmm. people need to realize, however, the boomerang does not always come back. And don't don't expect that. I mean, people say, well, when I get the money, I'll do this, I'll do that. It invariably, most of the time, it doesn't happen. Yeah. So you just have to, it's way of life. But but if you have the attitude that I don't care if it comes back, right? Correct, correct. Then then you'll be happier person. Yeah, absolutely, totally agree. All right. So the last question was, and I think you already answered this, but Boston or Atlanta, and why? You know, if you had to choose between the two, Boston in the summer, <laughs> uh, for some, for some some periods of the summer. Okay. However, you can go to Cape. In June, and the weather could be absolutely miserable. Yes. Been been there, done that, or in September. But the the summers in Boston are very very nice, uh, and that that's what I miss. And like I said, I miss skiing in some respects. But however, not for, uh, cold weather for a prolonged period of time. Yeah. So I am going to share my screen so that they can get your contact information. Okay. And uh, talk about your free gift. So one second. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. As you can see here, all kinds of uh, positions on social media, the, the large ones being uh, LinkedIn and Twitter, lesser extent of Instagram. What I'm doing, I'm working on a uh, course now, and it's uh, the out of social selling with thought leadership spin. It's basically 
uh, in essence, what it's all about is teaching people how to up their game with regard to sales process. I've been a salesperson. I've sold all kinds of things uh, throughout the life, starting out with the paper route when I was a very young boy. And I know a lot about selling. I know a lot about marketing. I know a lot about social media and thought leadership and integrating it all together to help others up the game in the arena to drive revenues for their respective businesses. And also what to do with it. One of the things, you know, having such a large network is how do you manage it? And I've become pretty good, pretty efficient at that. I'm still trying to refine that, but teaching them how they can incorporate that for follow-up and everything else with regard to they're doing in the networking circles. Yeah. Follow-up is always the hardest, but Absolutely. it's the most important. Correct. So we have your email there. Folks can take a screenshot. Um, you can get in touch with me to get in touch with him. But Jeff Sheehan, 2020 at Gmail. Oh, no, actually, it's 2010. Ah, that's a little typo. Yeah. Twenty ten. Okay, we'll get no, that fixed. No problem at all. No problem. Twenty ten. But best yet to go to his uh, LinkedIn uh, profile or Twitter. Give him a tweet. Correct. And I couldn't end this without um, before I say thank you to do to do some promoting of me. <laughs> So we do. Well, I, can, I promote, can I promote you? You can promote me. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. She is unstoppable, folks. <laughs> I can tell you that. I've known Vicki for a number of years now, and she's done an absolutely phenomenal job with uh, Toastmasters here in Atlanta. And it's just a pleasure having her as a member of the Toastmasters Club, uh, Rising Phoenix Toastmasters. Same lines at 10 o'clock Eastern time. If you ever want to come, uh, you'll see one of the two of us at almost every meeting. So please join us. Thank you so much. So, yeah, there's my book. It's on Amazon. Take a copy, get a copy. Um, and, again, I want to thank you, Jeff, for being a wonderful guest this evening. It's so great to be able to have you on my podcast. And uh, as we did mention, we both are Toastmasters. I've been a Toastmaster for 25 years now, and you have for what? Ten and a half. Ten, yes. And I still make mistakes. I still have the training wheels on, but I don't care. Yeah, it's lifelong learning. Absolutely. So please do your best to uh, do your best in everything you do. The way to network is to take action, take a step forward, and never look back because there's always great things ahead. So I hope you enjoyed our podcast this evening, and we look forward to the next one with any any uh, topics that you like. Just email me or send me a message on my website, and we will be talking to you soon. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.